This is CliffCentral.com. Good afternoon to you at home, on the off- in the offices, in your car, on your phone, on your headphones, wherever you are. It is Smokehoozy. It's the Unplugged and In Charge radio show. It's another edition on a Thursday afternoon. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Smokehoozy. Um, and it's another show that's going to be jam-packed up for something that's very interesting for you. We always try to, uh, to, to bring in uh, quite a variety of things onto the show and to make sure that you, you, you kept entertained, you kept informed. Um, with all the people that are doing many, many different brilliant things out there. Um, you know, uh, today I've got a chef um, and I've got someone that is multi-talented. Um, actually, the chef is someone that um, we've been friends for quite a while. And it's quite interesting that I've managed to be able to to invite her through into the show uh, this time around, which is quite an achievement. And it's and actually I've actually done it with a couple of people um, that I've worked with before in other platforms and other things. Um, therefore, I'm going to be looking forward to hear exactly what she's all about, and it's going to be quite interesting. And, and also, something that is quite highlight uh, that I can highlight actually. Um, you know, speaking a bit of English, I'm actually English is not my mother tongue, so sometimes I bite my tongue as I speak along. But anyway, but I I'm going to be um, playing something that's quite interesting on the background, which is something that is an achievement from one of one of my boys, DJ Venom. Um, one of his single called Fede. I've got an instrumental which is quite interesting, and it's there just to keep our minds running throughout the show. Thank you very much, my boy, for giving me uh, your instrumental track And shout out to you for your brilliant work But yeah, man, I've had a very brilliant week I'm looking forward to this show Look, man, have you ever been told the truth? And I'm talking about the truth that you don't want to hear And most of the time, we people, we don't want to hear the truth You know, and it depends You know, when someone tells you the truth It actually tests your character, what type of a person that you are Because some people don't like being told the truth Instead, when they're being told the truth, they either become angry or they become defensive or they make you feel as if you're talking rubbish because they don't like being told the truth. But you know what? At the end of the day, the truth is important for us to hear. And most of the time when we are being told the truth, we're being told the truth from people that actually care a lot about us. And we, we forget that. And we think that when people tell us the truth, they are attacking us or they're putting us down or, or in, in some way or another. But um, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because I just thought I should share that um, today I just had a session with one of my boys this morning when, uh, after a meeting that we had. We were going somewhere and we were just having a chat as we walked into the car. And he was just telling me certain things about myself. You know, people actually are aware about you more than you actually think. And he was just going on telling me one thing after the other, one thing after the other. And I'm saying to myself, but this guy is telling the truth. And at some moment I stopped and I'm like, yo mate, are you on my case this morning? But hey, you know what I, what I appreciate is that people that care about you will tell you the truth constructively. They won't tell you the truth to put you down or to make you feel less of yourself or to make you feel really uh, useless. And I was really thankful to him. He just told me that, yo man, you're looking, I mean, you're doing some great stuff and, but you need to pick up yourself on one two, three things. And I said, you know what? I really, really appreciate it. And again, it's only, it's on the tip or that I've been sharing with you guys that it's always important to have good people around you. People that are, are genuine. Cause we were talking about the fact that, uh, we were crying, um, when we were chilling as gents, we were just having a chat. We were saying that, um, one of my guys was sharing a story saying to us that he was going out the other evening. It was, it was supposed to be a business social outing, you know, taking out some guys that are 
potential business people that they would like to do business with. And you know, sometimes these things do work when you are, when you go out and you you just have fun, you know, with people that you potentially looking to have business with. So yeah, they were out having a good time. And um, the the I mean the bottles kept on flying. They were sitting in the VIP. <laughs> Get bottles kept on flying. You know, it's all about enjoyment. It's all about entertaining. It's all about trying to, you know, to 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 have that rapport amongst each other. And then when the night came, when everybody had to go home, one of my friends, when he looked around, he saw that everybody was gone, and he was saying to himself, "But what? How can these people do this?" And what's even worse, it's people that are more. I can say they're more senior than him when it comes to business. So it was all about trying to, you know, you know, when you have to soften the heart of a person in order for you to get that thing that you want, you need to go that extra mile. And that was the whole point and intention for my friend to do such a thing. So what happened is that they left him with the bill and he says to me, boy, when I looked at the slip, there's two different bills. One would... You know, the lighter stuff with the ciders, you know, the, 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 the sodas, the tonics and whatnot, and the other one with the bottles. And I think there was three or four bottles that were ordered. And the total, it amounted to something about 15 grand. And he said to me, you know, when they left, I was just left alone and I didn't know what to do, but hey, they didn't want to let me go at the club. So I had to pay up. You know, and but the whole reason why he shared the story was to say that, you know, people are not genuine out there. There's always people that are chances. There's always people that are looking out to rip off of other people. And I think it's important as entrepreneurs, and this show is all about entrepreneurship, to always make sure that you are aware of the people that you associate yourself around and always be aware of those people that want to take advantage of you. And that is not a good thing. But yeah, man, I'm going to be introducing my guests on the show. Um, it's five minutes um, after three o'clock. It's a show that is between three and four o'clock. It is a privilege once again. It's a huge, huge blessing uh, to to be able to host the show with you today. And um, again, I'm looking forward to it. And shout out to everybody on Instagram that is tuned live. I see you. And shout out to everybody that is listening on their on their phones who downloaded and took it took their time to go into the Cliff Central or to their app store to to download the Cliff Central. App to tune in into the Unplugged and In Charge radio show. So if you want to interact with us, you can actually tag me at Smokeuzi on Twitter. I'm also at Smokeuzi on um, Instagram. Um, you know, you can hashtag Unplugged Radio Show. If you want to have some interaction with us um, throughout the show, and maybe there's something that you are hearing on the show and you want to he- ask any questions, because I can tell you there's some very, very interesting information that is coming your way that has got to do with relationships um, and 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 the likes. You know, um, and I can tell you, it's something that you don't want to miss out on because Mr. Begi Zungu, who's on the show with me, is going to unpack a couple of things, not only in relationship context, but also things that are, are good for our well-being as people in life in general. And we're also going to have some tips in terms of how to make some nice drinks if you have some guests um, over at your place. If you're on my Instagram live video, you're going to be checking out everything. I'm going to show you everything that is that is that has been prepared already, likely they can they can maintain their taste. Emma, I think I'm correct in that regard. But yeah, the chef is going to unpack by herself on the show. But yeah, I'm going to start off by bringing in Leanne. Hi, Spo. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And you, Leanne? Um, I'm great. It's such a pleasure to be on your show today. I'm honored to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me. I must say that this is a great platform to talk about myself and to talk about my business because I am a chef, I am an entrepreneur and I do run a blog that is 
all about health and nutrition. On my blog, I give out awesome recipes on how you can make healthy nutrition, nutritious meals at home without, you know, eating rabbit food because that's easily associated with you eating clean or, you know, trying to live a healthy diet. Well, let me tell you guys, healthy food is tasty. I am the fit chef whose blog you need to follow. And yeah, I hope that I can give your listeners an insight about, you know, how to live clean and how to book my services. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. All right, cool. Look, Leanne, we're interested on your story, hey? Uh, we know that you're a chef. I'm sure there's a couple of people that are listening on the sh- or to the show that actually are interested to find out in terms of if they really want to go into this profession of being a chef, how do they go about? But we want to hear your story. So you can share with us and tell us where does Leanne come from? Where were you born and bred? <laughs> well, I was born in Rustenburg in Mkhwasi. And my parents are from Porchestrum. So for a few years, we lived in Porchestrum. My mom and my dad then got married and we moved to Pretoria. And I've been living in Pretoria since the age of three. So I believe that and I'm in love with being from, you know, the Jacaranda city. Um, how it all started in primary school. I went to primary school at West End. I was a part of the catering team. So it was just me and two of my best friends, actually, that were like um, a certain teacher's favorite. We always used to help out whenever there were like HOD meetings and events at school. So they said, these kids do so much, we should actually give them a title. And there was the catering team was born. I think my life started there. And when I think back on my childhood growing up, like being five or six at home in orchards, me and my dad would... On Saturday mornings, wake up and he used to be a chef in Australia mm-hmm. and he showed me how to make omelets and so on. So I guess, you know, I was kind of nurtured into liking this. And as a teenager, <laughs> I kind of got into the entertainment industry. I could say you and I work together actually as bartenders. <laughs> <laughs> so right. yes. Um, yeah, I've always had a knack for wanting to entertain people and what's a better way for people to get together than, you know, around a meal. I mean, I feel like I have one of the most important jobs in the world because people need to eat every day. You mm-hmm. can't go a day without having a meal. So I think... I play a very important role mm-hmm. <laughs> in everyday lives. And right now, um, I've had some crazy opportunities where I've had a chance to be on ETV several times and it really wasn't planned. So ever since I've gotten the opportunity, you know, it's a great platform to bring the message of nutrition and nutritious food to the people. Um, that's basically about it. I don't know what more to say about myself. <laughs> I guess I opened a business. This is my passion and I've always been, you know, selling something or trying to make cash on the side. That's how you and I started working together. So I think I've always just, you know, wanted to have an income and doing this as a business has really empowered me. That's, that's a quite an interesting story. I mean, uh, when it comes to all nutrition and health, I mean, we had a phase that actually, if you actually look at the, the, the general scope 
of how I'm gonna speak in terms in terms of 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 Africans. Yes. I mean, this thing of exercising, go to gym, is not something that was very prevalent am- amongst the black culture. No. You know no, what I mean? No, it isn't. I'm not saying that I'm putting them down or we didn't know anything, but Definitely you know, not. going going to gym nowadays is something that is so popular. You know, if you don't go to gym, you know, it, it's kind of that thing that you know. You're missing out, yo. You need to make a plan. Yes. But uh, why I'm saying this is because food and 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 exercise and keeping healthy, it's all part and parcel. And I think it's important to have people like you, um, you know, to share some some health tips. You know, I know people do know some things that are healthy, but it's a different thing when you hear it from someone that has actually studied it and do it as a profession to make sure that they give you tips of what it is that is healthy that you can eat at home. Uh, you know, to sh- to make sure that you maintain a healthy lifestyle. So, I'm going to introduce our second guest on the show, alright? He goes by the name of Peggy Zungu. And it's a man that has achieved quite a few things, quite a lot. He's going to be sharing on the show exactly what it is that, you know, his journey into where he is right today. And um, welcome on the show, Mr. Peggy Zungu. Thank you very much, Sbot. Thank you for having me here. You know, for a second, I thought those, these drinks were ours. And uh, now I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'd already picked which one I was gonna drink, but now. <laughs> sure. No, no, don't worry. We're gonna have a taste of them um, later on. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay. Peggy Zungu comes from Ulundi, uh, a village um, uh, called Mabelana. That's where I was born and raised. I uh, did my primary there, did my high school, and then went to University of uh, Deben Westville. It's now called UKZN. Uh, finishing my studies, I then trained as an accountant auditor. I, I did my training at Deloitte and Touch, uh, which is a three-year training program. After that, I then went into internal auditing and risk management. I then occupied uh, a number of positions in different companies. Uh, I, I'm basically what uh, other people, uh, or I was, what other people will call a job hopper. Uh, other, uh, my friends actually... Uh, some of them at some stage called me a popcorn. You know, popcorn just keeps on popping. Yeah, keeps on popping. So sure. I was like that, but for me it was part of the plan. It's not like I was just doing it for the sake of doing it. When I was at Varsity already, I knew I wanted to have my own consulting business. I knew I was gonna do training in a chartered accountant's firm. Um, uh, get some experience and then start my own firm. So that was the plan. So going to these companies that uh, some of them I will stay a year, others uh, even less than a year, is because I will get in and see things that could be done differently. That's basically the kind of person I am. Uh, I will say, even though obviously accountants uh, are seen as boring people, grey suits, uh, I, I, I believe I was a different one in that my mind was actually racing. I actually like what Leanne says to say what she's doing now. It's something that started in primary. Sure. Now, the books that I'm going to talk to you about um, uh, later, it's actually something that also for me started in primary. Yeah. As far as I can remember, I used to grab, every, obviously at that stage, I come from a village, so English... Uh, uh, was a challenge. Sure. So every Zulu novel, short story mm. that my brothers um, uh, um, w- actually prescribed from my brothers at school, yeah. I used to take them, read them, and finish before they actually uh, finish them uh, uh, as part of their curriculum. So I also knew that one day I want to write books. 
That is so awesome. Mm. All right, cool. We're going to continue with your story just now. I'm going to just share something for the people and the listeners back home. Win an entrepreneurial package with 12 million rand with AlphaCode. AlphaCode is inviting applications for its pre- prestigious AlphaCode Incubate uh, program that seeks to identify and reward high potential in- innovative entrepreneurs to boost the development of fine tech and financial services in South Africa. 16 businesses will be invited to pitch for eight places on the AlphaCode Incubate program. The final eight businesses will complete a customized 12-month program and will benefit from an entrepreneurial package worth 12 2 million rand each. The package consists of 1 million 1 million rand in grant funding, 1 million rand worth of support including mentorship, monthly expert uh, sessions, exclusive office space in Santon, marketing, legal and other business support services as well as access to the RMI's networks. The first round of applications close this Friday, 7 September 2018. I will repeat, the first round of applications close this Friday, 7, 7 September 2018. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more on the cliffcentral.com website. So that's something for the entrepreneurs out there. It's always good to make, sh- um, to make sure that you look out for opportunities there's a whole lot of things that are going on out there and i was saying just um a few weeks ago that you know to be an entrepreneur you always have to be proactive and there is so much that um companies private companies are doing and uh government that is doing to make sure that um you know the the millennials of south africa have access to things that can be able to empower them to make their uh, businesses successful i always see um young people complaining about a whole lot of things um, you know, but just because people are lazy and don't want to research and look out for opportunities, there's so many things. I mean, you have access to the internet these days. And when I think of some, um, some things, I mean, there are some countries that people just to register a company is such a huge hassle. And you know, in South Africa, I mean, it's as simple as going to the, into the, into the, um, into, um, into the internet and just punching in, uh, whatever that you need to punch in to make sure that, your company is registered. So this is one of the of, of the opportunities. If you were listening to the show, uh, you can make sure that you go to our website, www.cliffcentral.com and have a look at uh, some of the things that I've just read about Alpha Code that is um, offering an opportunity. It's an entrepreneurial package worth 2 million rand and it can make a huge difference to you. But yeah, we can continue with the interview. Um, actually, I have something that is interesting that I want to play and, and we're going to come back again to our to our two guests on on studio. Decisions are major decisions. And also there are a lot of small decisions that we don't make. That they tax our minds, they drain our energy. They create a lot of anxiety and nervousness and mental torment because we don't take care of it. We decide not to decide, which is a decision. Deciding to decide, to act, It's a major, major challenge for all of us at different points in different areas of our lives. And there are things that happen to us along the way, experiences that we have that prevent us from working through the mental block of acting, of doing those things that we know we ought to do. And so what I want you to think about is what is there that you know you need to do that you want to do this, but for some reason or another, you've been holding back. 
For some reason or another, you just have not been able to gather your nerves or be able to work through the procrastinating or putting it off or justifying or blaming. Some reason or another, you just haven't done it. And you know you ought to do this. You really want to do this, but you don't know why you haven't done it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand, please. Okay, then I've got company here this evening. I'm not talking to myself. Now, first of all, we know that this is not easy. Because in order to begin to reinvent your life, you've got to make a conscious, deliberate, determined effort. That you really have got to put all of yourself into it. It's very challenging to act, to do those things. There are times when you're looking at it and you say, I, I know I need to do this, but I don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. I know I need to do it, yet leave me alone. No. I don't want to do it. So what do we do? What are those things that, that cause us to do like that? I think that among the things that prevent us from acting is the fear of failure. And if you've already failed, you don't want to fail again. The pain of that, the disappointment, the fear of loss is another thing. Because many times when we do those things that we know we need to do, we feel that we might lose somebody that we love very much and care about. We don't want to hurt anybody. Many of us don't act because we want other people's approval. We want everybody to like us and to accept us. And that's not possible. Many of us don't do the things that we want to do and don't act because of lack of self-confidence. We don't believe enough in ourselves. I have a friend who's been working on a job where she's miserable, talented, want to go to another place that she can do what she wants to do and make the kind of money that she would like to make and have had some offers. But because of her fear and her lack of self-confidence of things might not work out, she won't take a chance on herself. So there she is spending eight hours a day, five days a week, and she's miserable. She hates to go to work. They're not paying her what she's worth. She knows it. But yet and still, she won't do that which she knows she must do, and it's wearing her out. There are a lot of people that their jobs are making them sick because they won't act. You check out the absenteeism and the people that are depressed. You see them coming to work angry. How are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> Just leave me alone. It's not even 9 o'clock yet. You're talking about good morning. This is CliffCentral.com. All right. That was something there was something interesting that I just wanted to share with you. Um, you know, some wise words from from Les Brown. I listen to Les Brown quite a lot and he talks about a whole lot of things that are inspiring for the mind and that keep you thinking and keep you on your toes. So he was talking about, you know, making sure that you do that thing that you wanted to do. I've I've been in those situations a lot. Well, you know that you gotta do something, but you're so lazy, you don't, you're not gonna do it. Even if you know that the deadline is tomorrow and you're gonna wake up early in the hours and you, you know, you're dragging yourself to do that particular thing that you know that it's gonna be due within a few hours. And that's not, that's not always good. It's always good to be proactive and to stay motivated and to just do what you need to do all the time. So I'm gonna continue our conversation on the show with the two lovely guests. I'm gonna bring forward uh, the lady who's making sure that she looks proper. <laughs> yeah, Leanne. 
Yes. All right, um, cool. Just unpack for us in terms of the whole world of, of being a chef. I mean, um, I do know uh, the chef industry is something that, you know, is booming right now. There's a lot of young people that are interested in it. But what is it that people back home do not really know that, um, you know, you would like to share about the whole chef industry? Oh, uh, well, what I'd like to tell other young people out there that are interested in going into the industry is that, one, you need to have a very strong character. Being in a place where you work with a group of people and you guys work like strenuous hours, which could be anything between like 11 to 16 hours, depending on the kind of establishment you work for. It's a very strenuous job. You need to have a strong character. You need to be hardworking and you need to really be passionate about it because if that isn't the kind of person that you are or this isn't something that you really love doing, you are going to feel like <laughs> the clip that we just listened to. Like it's 9 a.m. What's good about this morning, you know? So it's very important that you need to be passionate about what you do and you need to really have a knack for it. Being in this industry, it's all about creativity. It's all about innovation. It's all about what it is new that you can bring to the table. And that's what's important. Um, this is an industry that is very male dominated. So if you are a female, you know, you need to be ready to work into it, to walk and work into that kind of male environment, you know. According to me, you need to be someone that takes no shit in order to become a chef. And I think I'm that kind of person. And hence, I was able to, you know, get myself this far in the in the industry. Because in industry itself, like working in a hotel, working at a restaurant, it's something that is very difficult. I mean, I don't do it myself. So I really, it's hats off to people that work in properties and that wake up every day to go and do this because it isn't an easy job. All it right. is definitely not. So with yourself, um what were some of your um your worst frustration moments that that have got to do with a client or you know uh, a complaint about a dish maybe that you've made and someone was not happy. What were some of your worst moments? What were you cooking even at that time? Um, I'd say the worst moment I've had in the kitchen was actually when I was doing my internship. It hasn't been with any of my clients per se. Like this is a very intense place and you know, you the student. So everybody's looking at what you're doing and if you're doing it right. And I actually got into an argument with one of the sous chefs. Sure. And this is like your third in command person in this kitchen yeah. and what is frustrating and what got me so wound up about it is that I did do this specific task properly just as I was asked to but somebody else had taught me how to do it instead of the person that actually needed it and they didn't approve of the way it was made and you know you can only take so much as a person. It's high pressure. It's a very crazy environment. You need to always be on your toes and think of a way of how to sort something out. Like if that salmon is overcooked or if that um, chicken is undercooked, like a person will not enjoy it. A kitchen is an area where it's about lives. Someone could die if you cook something the wrong way or if... 
a germ or you like if you if you do anything wrong. So you know it's high pressure, and I just got frustrated that I had done something the right way according to me. Obviously, being a naive student, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was wrong. And yeah, it was just a mess. That was the most frustrating day I have ever had in industry. Mm-hmm. I think uh, part of the reasons why I just started, I decided to start my own business sure. instead of working in that kind of environment. All right, tell me something, because I mean, I I always see these things on TV. Um, I've seen it a couple of times when I've when I've gone to hotels as well, where you find that um, making one dish, it has to go through. I mean, either three or four of you, because you either this one puts the meat, and then you, it comes to this one. This one puts the whatever that he puts on. It goes to this one, and then by the time that the dish goes through, it's gone through four or three different hands. Now, in, ter- in the case where you're saying to me that um, there are times that you might just either you have to be careful of germs, or you know, either putting something that's not supposed to be put in. How do you keep track of which chef did something wrong if we were four? Um, that are involved or if something goes wrong are we all in trouble that is the thing about the kitchen you need to be someone with a very high integrity that can sure. actually step up and take responsibility and say okay i am the person that did this wrong in order for the next person not to get into trouble because of you so when there is a situation like that, you just pray that the team that you're working with are a team of honest people. And another way of figuring out who did what wrong is because there are different sections and different people are responsible. And the executive chefs or sous chefs delegate certain tasks to certain people. Sure. So that is definitely how they would know to catch you out mm-hmm. if you do something wrong. And it sounds like becoming a. Sh- I have a friend that's actually a chef, and he's actually he worked in South Africa for for quite some time, and he's moved back. He's from Lesotho, okay. So he's working um, at a hotel in Lesotho. Uh, he spent some many years in South Africa. But one thing that I do know that I do recognize that being going into the chef industry, you have to be someone that is on point. It's not something that you just. I'm sure you guys, I don't know in terms of if there's tests that you, you go through, obviously the practicalities of it, but I feel like it's something that you have to be on point and you have to be clean. Cause most, most even, even guys that are in the chef industry, normally people think that it's only gays that, you know, look after themselves extra more as, you know, being males, you understand? But I've noticed that even the males within the chef industry, they are extra, extra clean. Is it something that one has to have within themselves and their character? Or what? what is it all about? Well, I wouldn't say that it's something in character. I think hygiene is yeah. something that's important for everyone. Sure. And even as a student, you know, one of the modules that we go through is hygiene. And part mm. of the module is personal hygiene. You need to be extremely clean. You cannot feed people dirt. First of all, you don't want to be... There are so many airborne diseases that people Very can true. that people can contract. Um, yeah. Food poisoning cases. And I mean, as a chef, you don't want to be responsible for somebody dying at your hands. So that's where the cleanliness and the hygiene part of things come in. And it's something that's very important. I wouldn't say it's part of your character. I think that it's very, <laughs> that it's important for everyone, you know, to keep good sure. hygiene, especially if you're making food for people, you know. 
Nobody wants to put dirt in their mouths. All right, cool. I just want to share something else again, once again. Um, uh, you know, it's for you at home as you're listening. Uh, whether you're on the phone, whether you're online, whatever platform that you are joining us in, you're welcome to the Unplugged and In Charge show. But yeah, what does it mean to be a man today in today's world? There's a lot of confusion about this and a lot of anger directed at men. This is a conversation about masculinity everyone needs to hear. In this raw and authentic series of six podcasts, Craig Wilkinson and Khalid Osiris start from the premise that true masculinity is a great gift to the world. Equally relevant to men and women, it provides profound insights into why men behave the way they do. It unpacks the three core desires at the heart of every man, the question every boy needs answered on his journey to manhood. The four big lies about masculinity, what wounds the masculine heart and the other and the one thing every man wants from women more than sex. Man to Man Talks is brought to you by Carling Black Label. Drink responsibly. It is not sale to persons under the age of 18. It is also available now on the on the um, cliffcentral.com website. It's something for you to check out out there. It's uh, a man-to-man talk. Um, they're talking about what does it mean to be a man in today's world, which is something that is very interesting because, I mean, we just came from Women's Month and there's been a lot in terms of women abuse and all, all different uh, things that are related to a man towards women and all of that. And I think this is something that is quite contextual. And if you want to learn more, you can actually go and check it out on www.cliffcentral.com. Mr. Zungu. Yes, sir. Are you still with us? I am definitely with you. What do you think of some of the tips that the lady's sharing about uh, in the kitchen? Are you are you a person that's active in the kitchen? I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I used to be. Uh, I'm the last born at home out of four brothers and yeah. a stepsister. Sure. So as you can imagine, being the last born, I was the one remaining behind when my father, when, when my brothers finished school and started working. So I basically had to do everything from fetching water, cleaning, cooking, uh, in the midst of that also go and sell, uh, fruits and vegetables. So I basically spent a lot of time in Is the it? kitchen. I think I did my fair share. Oh, wow. And on top of that, I had to go and fetch water. Remember in the village, there were not, now there are taps before mm. that. Actually, I had to walk three, five kilometers to fetch water. And at home, I had to be the one doing that. Sure. Now, in a way, it was a challenge uh, as I grew older because now you can't even approach girls. You're always with them fetching water. <laughs> so it became a challenge. Look at you <laughs> being concerned about girls. <laughs> wow. Sure. It became a challenge in that sense. Yeah. I hear you. You know, there's something that I always enjoy when I, when I speak to people like you because, um, I don't know whether to say fortunately or unfortunately is something that is 50 50 in my mind, uh, but I'm not a person that grew up in like deep in the rural areas. Yeah. And I feel that there's so many things that you enjoy, especially when you've grown up. Yeah. I mean, things like going to fetch water in the river, mm. you know, herding the cattle. Yeah. You have to wake up early in the morning. There's a whole lot of stories that I hear and I'm, and, and, and for me, um, I mean, I, I do have a home back in, 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 you know, in the rural, rural areas, yeah. but it's not somewhere that I visit all the time. And it's, it's unfortunately, I never, I was never able to spend enough time, you know, to experience the actual lifestyle. Yeah. You, them. you missed out. You get I can, what I'm saying? I, I can tell you that. And okay. So, so, because for me, for instance, yes. I, I went to the city for the first time sure. when I was doing grade 11. 
mm-hmm. and uh, the city life is something I always read about in the books that I mentioned. So I had pictures in my mind of of what city life was about, but sure. to actually go there for the first time, actually it was in and out just a day, grade eleven. Then when I went to varsity, I then. Uh, experienced uh, the, the the city life, so sure. a lot of things were quite uh, obviously quite scary for me. I used to read about people being robbed because in this we didn't have that in the villages. So when you get there and you see someone being robbed right in front of you, you yeah. actually don't know how to how to react. But sure. yeah, it's a it was just an experience. Mm-hmm. That's basically where I found myself. I would mm-hmm. have loved to grow up. Uh, I would have loved to have grown up in the city, but I don't regret. Sure, because there's a lot of things that I learned when I was there. Now, in terms of like, I look at my 12 year old daughter. Mm-hmm. She's she knows a lot of things that I, I actually started getting exposed to adversity only. She's sure. only 12. She knows so much. Obviously, she goes to an English school. Mm-hmm. When she does homework, there's things that I must Google before I can answer. Sure. But uh, it's just part of part of life. And you know, it's important that you say that there's things, there's lessons that you learned, because there's so many things that you pick up, especially practica- practicality-wise, when it comes to even being an entrepreneur. Because the inspiring, th- the inspiring thing about you that I'm actually finding out is the fact that. You grew up just an ordinary boy in the rural areas that had big dreams. Mm. What did it take for you to have such a big dream and to get to a point of you getting out from the rural areas? You go to the city life to chase your dream. What is it that kept you going and what were some of the things that were main principles to keep you disciplined and focused? For me, I I, I will say to a large extent, faith. Uh, My father was a preacher. So faith is something that was instilled in me. So obviously you, you, you are told about the story of Moses, how he led the children of Israelites uh, across the Red Sea. So, and, and how David uh, defeated Goliath, how Joseph uh, went into prison for something he didn't do and emerged there a great leader. So for me, those are the stories that actually kept me going. Looking at my environment with limited uh, resources, but this faith that I got from the Bible actually kept me going. And also the fact that, I, I, as I said earlier, I, I believe I'm a very creative person. So I, I had, I used to visualize things. Now, as I read about things in the books and listening to the radio, remember, we also didn't have TV. So sure. uh, 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 listening to the radio was a great part of, of my life. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, when I listen to the drama, the, the stories that are, we call them stories, mm-hmm. which is basically radio drama, they, those are the things that actually help me to become imaginative and imagine these things and actually to want to work towards them. For instance, when I was doing great, I think 11, 12, uh, one of the uh, reverends, um, obviously they, they, will, they will come and have lunch at our house. He actually said to me, why don't you follow in your father's footstep, uh, footsteps? You are the last born. Your other brothers are gone. It doesn't look like they like this church thing. Now, when your old man dies, who's going to pick up the mantle? And I told him, I want to do a become, become an accountant. That's what is in me. And I've, I actually never look, look, looked back. Really? So I think being able to imagine things helps you because in the midst of your friends who are not as imaginative as you or creative as you it then forces you uh, to actually be alone and and when you imagine things 
you begin to live in them. They actually uh, 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 grow in your mind. Also, that story I told earlier about having to fetch water. I was doing things that most of my my, 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 my friends were not doing because they had, they had girls at home. So mm. I had to go fetch water, cook, clean, and do all those things. It then meant I don't have enough time to do uh, uh, almost, um, I will say, every day to do what the other boys were doing. It's only when I got a gap there. But that helped me to then be alone, read about things, imagine them, and believe that they could actually happen. Now, the interesting thing is that you brought with you um, two books entitled Don't Be Afraid to Fail and Why Are You Getting Married? All right. Are these your first two books that you wrote or they are amongst some of the books that you've written? They are amongst other books that I've written. Don't Be Afraid to Fail was the very first book that I wrote uh, uh, and I published it in, tw- in, in April 2010. Sure. Uh, it's got a story to it. But the books that I've written in total... It's six books, but if you add the translations uh, to Zulu, it's then eight. Because Don't Be Afraid to Fail is also available in Isizulu. Mm-hmm. And then the recent one, uh, which is uh, titled From Small Beginnings to Big Brands, sure. is also in English as well as Isizulu. Now, the Don't Be Afraid to Fail, I actually like what the clip that you played earlier. Mm-hmm. He there's a there's a lot of of truth in that, and some of these things is is the emotions that I had to go through. I told you I was changing jobs uh, because I wanted to get as much experience, but also because I used to get frustrated. She mentioned it earlier. You are in an environment where you believe this thing can be done differently, but you've got someone who tells you no, you shall do it this way. Doesn't matter how much you scream and shout to say there is a better way. You have to, at the end of the day, comply. So that's the other challenge I used to face when I went to companies, which basically would lead to me wanting to leave. Then finally, when I was at MTN, I was a senior manager, um, uh, uh, risk management. Uh, I did not want to leave per se, but I felt it was the time now to actually start doing what I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I went to my boss and said, you know, I love it here. I don't want to leave. But I've got this vision that I have. Pa- apart from making money, I'm passionate about career guidance, empowering young people and small business uh, owners. So I always had this thing that I want to have time to do this thing. So if I'm employed full time, it becomes difficult. You've got an eight to nine job. Some of these things I want to do them in my village. So I thought if I have my own business, I'll have time to set aside and just go into the bundus there and help um, uh, young people there. Sure. So I said to my employer, I want to change the nature of my contract. I want to still be here at MTN, but let's change the contract. Let me not be a full-time employee. I become a contractor. We agree on a rate per hour. So if I come for two hours, you'll pay me for two hours so that I can use the other hours to do what I want to do. Very smart. So she actually, at, at that point, she did not say no. She just said, hey, that's a difficult thing you want to do. But anyway... Put it down on paper. Let's talk. So I wrote it. Now, when she said that for me, it was like, this thing is going to work. So I wrote it. Now, when they got my proposal, they then said, for this thing to work, for us to even consider your proposal, you must resign. Completely leave the company. Then we'll consider. Now, that's a big risk. because, And she's even saying, we might, we might not 
consider you. But then for me, I, I think the right, the time was right for me at that stage to say, this is just a test. Now I must go and do this thing. So wrote, let, wrote emails back forth until I said, now I'm taking the step. I'm resigning. Uh, I'm, I believe you guys are going to bring me back as an independent contractor. That's basically how I left. Mm-hmm. Big function. Actually, for they, they gave me a contract for a month. And then they, another month, then I said, no, I'm leaving. Big function, farewell. Already I prepared business cards and flyers about my company now. And the company, by the way, was named after my village. And oh, not was. It still is. Mabedlana Group. Sure. Mabedlana is the name of my village. So I leave. I set up an office at home. Now, imagine now you have to convince your wife who has known you to be someone who's employed, always getting money, you get a bonus. Now you are saying you believe that God has given you this thing. You believe it's from God and it's going to work. <laughs> so obviously oh, she wow. had to just also step up in faith and believe that it's going to work. Very true. Now I set up an office, one of the rooms I convert into an office. Mm. Desks, laptop, everything is there. And what I used to do, when she prepared to go to work, yeah. I would also dress up. My office is right here, just downstairs. Have breakfast, dress up, get into that office, close the door, and then they will obviously bring me lunch and all that. Now I'm sitting there, MTN is not coming to the party, and it comes to a, pa- a point where I, I see that it's not going to happen. I have to find clients now. And very fast, things just started spiraling out of control. Now it's not working because my major client was going to be MTN and then I will build up on that. Now I'm sitting there in front of my laptop and I'm thinking, what if I die like this? Because remember, people don't understand what, what is in your mind. Even though you yeah. tell them, it's like it just gets in and it goes the other ear. So I felt I needed to write my story so that if I died at that stage, they will understand the reasoning behind. That's how don't be afraid to fail. Because even though I felt I was failing, but I still believe that I took the right decision. It was not working out, but deep down I knew I took the right decision. So I then thought I'm writing a book for me and for others to say, don't be afraid to fail exactly as what he's saying in the clip. If you believe there's something you're passionate about, it might fail, but it might not fail. If it fails, go back to the drawing board, to the drawing board and, 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 and strategize again. So that's basically how don't be afraid to fail was born. Now I started looking for publishers. People were just saying, no, no, no. Then I thought, actually, why am I looking for the publisher? From now on, I'm the publisher. Now, Mabedana Group moves from consulting to publishing. And I'm publishing my first book, which is this one. And I'm going to distribute it because now I went to the these stores that are known. I don't, don't want to mention them. I used to pester them to say, guys, right now, this book is published by me. Read it and tell me what you think. I don't want you to take it onto your shelves. Read it. They just wouldn't accept it. I remember there's a time where I went to, I live in, in, in Little Falls. So there's a mall next to it, Clearwater Mall. There were four bookshops at that time. Mm-hmm. I went to each of them with a copy. The first one was selling mostly Christian books. There they refused to accept the book, literally. 
I'm saying, guys, it's a free copy. I don't want anything in return. I just want you to read and tell me. They said no. I took it and then I went to the second one. Second one, same story. They rejected the book. Not even to take it. They are not allowed. I think the second, the third and the fourth shop, when I went there, I just said, here's your book. Read it. If you write, if you like it, write, write back to me and I left without giving them a chance to actually say, no, we're not allowed to take the book. So that's basically what I did. And that's what I've been doing now since 2010. To a point where last year, so it's a highlight now mm. for my publishing. Went back to the same big store that is well known, where I said, now I demand to meet the CEO to discuss my books because I don't understand why you're rejecting something you've not read, you've not gone through and say it's bad quality. Finally, I got hold of the CEO and the CEO wrote me a nasty letter. It's nasty. <laughs> Actually said, Sure. Just let's stop corresponding with me. Yeah. And I'm thinking, let me print and frame it. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it for the future, for the time when these books have actually started selling, because they're still gonna sell. Sure. So, long story short, mm-hmm. I've written a whole lot of books now. One of them is Why Are You Getting Married? Been married now for what, 15, 16 years, but I've got friends almost similar age others are marrying for the second time for the third time clearly there's something wrong somewhere in this institution there's something that has changed so i i, 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 I see i eh? see yeah, the end laughing. <laughs> what, makes, what makes you smile about what she's what he's talking no, about i'm just laughing because i think it's true in today's society like Divorce is the new in thing Exactly You know Like families don't stick together And that is a very selfish thing to do From parents And it affects children More than they may think Mm-hmm. It's really mm. something that needs to be worked on And I think I'll give some older friends this book to read <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so now I'm, Because actually I, I, I'm just reminded Just last just last week sure. My daughter, I told you, she's uh, she's 12 yeah. So she's, she's, she's a star performer She's always in the top 10 in her grade Great She's doing grade 6 So I always tell her You know, you know you, you're actually following in our footsteps Your mother in primary was like that I was like that, so keep it up. Sure. Actually, and then she says, really dead? Then I'm saying, I'll show you my certificates because I've kept my certificates and the reports from primary. Actually, on the motivation part, that also used to motivate me because in primary, I'm in, I'm in position three. I was always fighting for the top five position. Position one was difficult in primary. The girls were always, somehow, mm-hmm. were always number one, mostly. But when it went to secondary, they then dropped. Something used to happen. I don't know what. But in primary, they will be number one. So I was like that. So we're sitting last week. I, I'm taking it through the certificates. She says, wow. Now I picked up a, a, a piece of paper that I wrote when I was at Vasit. My goals. So because I picked it up when I was with her. So I said, let's go through my goals. Let's tell me how I've done. Now we are ticking. I said I wanted to become a marriage counselor and an author and a speaker. She said, tick that. I wanted to write books. Tick. I wanted to have a happy marriage. She says, tick. <laughs> so now that thing of being a marriage counselor is something that I'm also passionate about. At Varsity, when I used to tell people I would be a marriage counselor, they used to laugh at me because I didn't have a girlfriend. 
I never had a girlfriend. Now they're thinking, you had varsity, you've never had a girlfriend, and how are you going to counsel people? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm saying, but yeah. that's what I will be doing. So, and I'm sitting, I'm thinking, something is wrong. We can't just be having so many divorces, but obviously it's, it's subjective because in the past, people will stay in marriages even if there was no love, just for the sake of the children. Mm-hmm. Some people will actually do that, but the, the 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 number of divorce cases has increased in the in 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 the black community. Now I'm saying in the book, people need to question themselves before they get into marriage. It's not a negative topic. Some people are thinking, "Hey, why are you so negative about marriage?" I'm saying, "Hey, I'm married. I believe happily." Yeah. Now, why are other people breaking up? So the question that needs to be asked is when you do say I'm going ahead, why exactly? What's your motive? Because the motives, there's a problem with people's motives now. People sure. marry for money, marry for all other things except love. So I'm saying even if you've been living together for five, ten years and you decide that now you want to formalize mm-hmm. by signing, ask yourself, am I Getting married for the right reason. So in the book, you'll find the chapter about what the singles said. I asked people who are singing, do you want to get married? Why? And they gave me answers. They are in there. Those who were married, why did you want to get married in the first place? The answers are there. Those who were divorced, I said, why did you want to get married in the first place? And why do you think caused you to divorce? And people opened up. And then I, from there, those answers, I actually realized there's something that needs to be addressed. Like you've just commented about my upbringing in the village. We lived differently. Now we are here. My neighbors, I don't even know their surnames. That's just the nature sure. of the environment where we're living in. Now I'm gonna meet someone who comes from Rustenburg, not to, not to, <laughs> not from Rustenburg, <laughs> mm. from, from wherever. Mm-hmm. And now we find ourselves here. Sure. We live different lives now, different from our parents. Mm. Now, if you meet a guy from a, a village like me, the village in me has n- will not just go out. So there's certain things that I will be doing differently from someone who was born and raised in the township. Hence. Before I get married, I need to check if we are aligned. There is a chapter there on checklist. I'm saying, do you have a checklist? Do you know what kind of a person you want to marry? I had a checklist way back. But guess what? When I found my very first girlfriend, I forgot. Not forgot. I think I was just caught up. Remember, Mm. I've been single all my life. Now I'm working. I've got a car. And then I feel something missing. Mm -hmm. Now, when that person came, it was like, boom, forgot about the checklist, proposed love to her. She agreed. Now, when the emotions had subsided, she wasn't, we were in Pretoria, by the way, that time. Mm -hmm. Emotions have subsided. Now I'm thinking, yeah, I had a checklist. Does this person actually meet all day? So now I take my checklist. Number one. How do I bring this up? How do I bring this to her now? It was a, a it was a sensitive matter. Mm. You see, so mm. very sensitive. Mm. And then it just exploded. 
Sure. So that's why I'm saying in the book, you need to have some kind of a guideline. A hundred percent. And you're talking about a very sensitive topic. And I think when I just uh, look at things in a much broader light, there's so many things that contribute to the way we see marriage. Um, especially as young people in uh, these days, I mean, I, this is my own opinion. Everybody has their own opinion and entitled to it. But I really feel that so much influences, especially when it comes to social media, yeah. when it comes to movies, it comes to soapies, it comes to a whole lot of things, series, whatever that we watch. It does contribute to how we see marriage and, um, and contributes to your own individual personal decision. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, it, 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 it can be different from person to person in terms of how much it influences them. But I feel that the world that we live in, there's so much that it, it influences us, even our lifestyle. Yeah. Cause I really believe the more things that you see, the more things that you consume into yourself is what's going to influence how you see the outcome of how you will become in the world. Yeah. But it's, it's something that is very deep. It's another topic for another day, but yeah. it's, it's, uh, thank you so much for sharing something that is, that can actually spark a bit of thinking. I mean, I'm a young person. I'm, I'm, I'm a person that actually sees myself to get married one day. Okay. And I think I will probably need to read one of your books just to make sure that, you know, I pick up cause I will, I'm a person that believes a lot in reading mm-hmm. and making sure that you, 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 you inform yourself and make us and make informed decisions. And I think probably I will have one of your books. And just to have a read, you know, because, mm. you know, I'm, I'm growing up myself is something that one day I will mm. consider. That's your copy. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. But yeah, we actually nearing towards the end of the show. I'm going to give you a chance, um, Leanne, just to quickly sh- um, tell us about the drinks, the two drinks that you made for us here in studio so that people maybe if there's some tips that they might want to pick up, um, they can actually pick up some tips and try it back home. Oh, yes. Um, so an awesome way to get the real recipe in case, you know, <laughs> something misses your ear is to go onto my Instagram, cumin underscore by underscore chef Lee. Right in my bio is a link to my blog. You will find fantastic recipes there. Now, uh, moving on to the drinks that we have here today. So I call these gin flower bomb cocktails so over here we have lime we have gin poured into an ice cube tray with edible flowers so you just pop your gin into your ice tray add in some edible flowers and freeze it and then you chop up some lime either slices or quarters with lemongrass Now lemongrass isn't very popular But this is like a great burst of flavor And freshness that goes in there So one of them is pink And the other one is clear With the pink one It's just some food coloring added Just to give it that cocktail look You can add some cordial That'll give it that different color as well So the limes that go in Give it this fantastic flavor And yeah, this is a quick and easy way to entertain your guests this spring. Please don't bore everyone that comes to your braai with your normal drinks. <laughs> make some effort, make them something nice, you know, be the great host. This is for people that are always having people over. It's a great cocktail idea. You can enjoy it after work on a Friday when you have some time. You know, it's just something awesome and quick to make because we made the cocktails in under five minutes. You just need to pre-ice your cubes. Um, yeah, that's about it. All right, cool. Any last words from you, uh, uh, Peggy? 
Uh, no, lastly, I think it's just to introduce my latest book titled From Small Beginnings to Big Brands. Free, free ebooks as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me on the show. I've had a great time to hear from you guys, personally, your personal stories. Um, and we are going to keep in touch. And I'm looking forward to reading your book, uh, Peggy. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing it through. Thank you so much, Leanne, for making your time, for, for giving us, uh, for coming through onto the Unplugged and In Charge show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you this much. is your boy Smokuzi. Thank you so much to everyone that tuned in. I really, really appreciate it. Shout out to everybody on my Instagram live. Um, yeah, you can catch the podcast on www.cliffcentral.com. Um, just to, if in case that you missed the, 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 the show, you can catch it there. You can also follow me at Smokuzi on Twitter, at Smokuzi on Instagram, and you can hashtag unplugged radio show. Thank you so much. And yeah, we will catch you again next week. This is cliffcentral.com.